Huh? Come on. Malibu, what a place. Uh, Before I dive in, I just want to just give a quick shout out. In order to make Malibu happen, there were some incredible volunteers who gave up a whole week of their lives. And one of those was our main man, Mike Caprera. He comes here to church every Sunday, serves faithfully, and he drove a school bus full of crazy high school students up to Malibu to lead. So I'd love if we could just give it up for Mike real quick. Yeah, he deserves a little shout out. Well, good morning, church. My name's Kramer. If I've never met you before, I am so pumped to be with you this morning. I am a little extra excited this morning. Uh, I don't know if it's because the coffee here is so good or if Jesus is just so alive, maybe a combination of the both. But I just, uh, if my energy is a little much this morning, I want to apologize for that. But I'm incredibly excited and expectant for these next few moments that we get to share together. And I believe that God wants to speak to all of us this morning right where we're at. The title of this message and what I'm calling it is We Are the Ones. We Are the Ones. So do me a favor real quick. Look to your neighbor and say, We Are the Ones. Now look to your other neighbor, your second choice, and say, He's talking about you. We're going to take a look at a story in the Bible together this morning. We're going to pick it up in John chapter 1, verses 35 through 50. So if you've got a Bible, you can pull that out. If not, it'll be up on the screen behind me. And don't worry, if you're not reading along, I'm not judging you on the outside, but I am on the inside. (laughs) But we're going to pick it up, John chapter 1, verses 35 through 50. This is what the Bible says. The next day again, John was standing with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Where are you staying? Or they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came, and they saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Peter. The Bible goes on in verse 43 and says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. And said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethesda, the same city as Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. So in this story in the Bible, in 
John chapter 1, 35 and 50, the, the Bible opens us up first with Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is roaming through this town. And there's this guy, the Bible says his name is John. And John was known for proclaiming and saying that Jesus, the promised Savior, was going to come soon. So John sees Jesus walking down the street, and he turns to the people that he's with, and he says, look, behold, the Lamb of God. And these people that are with John, they, they start following Jesus. And there's this guy, the Bible says his name's Andrew. And the first thing that he does is he goes and finds his brother Peter and says, we found Jesus. Come, come with me, we found him. And as they're walking towards Jesus, he looks at Peter and he says, you, you're the son of John. You shall be called Peter. And later on in the Bible, it says that that name Peter in the original language is translated to rock. And Jesus says, and on this rock, I will build my church. And then the Bible goes on and it says that the next day they're in a different town. Jesus is in a different town and he's walking the streets and he walks up to a man named Philip and he says, Philip, come follow me. And the Bible records that the first thing Philip does is goes and gets his friend Nathaniel. and says, Nathaniel, we found Jesus. And Nathaniel's like, Psh, boy, you lying. Like, can anything good come from Nazareth? Like, no. And Philip says, just, just come and see. And while they're still a little ways off, Jesus sees Nathaniel and Philip coming, and Jesus says, look, it's Nathaniel, a true Israelite indeed. And Nathaniel's like, whoa, how, how did you know, how do you know me? You've never seen me before. And Jesus responds, before Philip called you, before you were coming to me, I saw you. I saw you. And now Nathaniel's astonished. And he's like, who? You must be the Son of God. You must be who you say you are. You must be the Savior. And Jesus is like, homeboy, if that impressed you, you will see greater things than this. Friends, this morning, I truly believe that God wants to speak to us through his word. And over these next few moments, as we lean into this idea that we are the ones, I believe that God wants to speak to us. And before we get going any further, I would just love right now if we could lean in and we could pray together real quick. So would you pray with me? Lord God, we thank you for these moments that we get to share right now together as a community. Would you open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to whatever it is that you have in store for us today? Holy Spirit, would you move and work in this place? We thank you that we get to hear from your word. We ask that you would speak to us in the name of Jesus. We love you. We thank you that the Seahawks are almost back on TV. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Guys, the preseason's awful, but the regular season's awesome. I want to tell you a story real quick. A few months back in April, right around the time of my birthday, you can mark your calendars, get me a gift, it's fine. But right around April, a few months ago, I'm chilling at home. My wife is out and about, don't really know what she's doing. But I'm at home by myself, don't really recall exactly what I'm doing. I was probably praying or reading my Bible, doing something real spiritual, you know. Probably praying for all of you. That's actually what I was doing, yeah. But I was at home, and all of a sudden I hear a knock on the door. And I was like, what? Nobody knocks on the door at my house. Like, they just, they just come in. So I was like, why is someone knocking? And I'm like, oh, come on in. And like, no one comes in. So I'm like, what the heck? So I have to get up, you know, off my knees from praying. And I go over and I open the door and I look down and there's this box and it says to Kramer. 
And I was like, these faithful people at Harbor Christian Center, they went and got me season tickets to Seahawks. My Lord. But I'm like, wow. So I open this box, or I get this box, and I bring it inside. And I open this box up. And in this box is the smallest, tiniest, fluffiest puppy that you have ever seen in your life. There's a few photos going to be on the screen behind me. And then sure enough, around the corner, here comes my wife, Alyssa, and she's like, surprise, happy birthday. And on the outside, I'm like, oh, my gosh. And on the inside, I'm like, dear Jesus. I'm like, wow. And I'm like, no joke, I kid you not, like, I am, like, terrified to, like, pick this little puppy up because it's so small. I was like, like, no joke, it was smaller than my Bible, okay? So I'm like, what am I going to do with this thing? Like, what is happening? It looks like a little marshmallow. Like, I was like, what is going on? But, like, over the course of the next few hours, we're like, okay, like, we could, you know, maybe make this worse. Like, I'm like, this puppy's growing on me. We decide to name the puppy. We name the puppy Finley. So I'm like, okay, Finley, like, you're growing on me. And we start to spend a few hours together. I'm like, wow, this puppy's pretty cute. But I was kind of nervous. Like, I don't know if I can tell people that I have this puppy. Like, look at this tiny thing. Like, these people are going to judge me. Like, oh, my gosh. But then over the next few weeks, you can take that photo off the screen so we don't have to stare at it. Uh, Over the next few weeks, this puppy, Finley, started to grow on me. Like, Alyssa would go to work, and Finley and I would be, like, kicking it at home. I'd be like, yo, girl, what you want to do today? She'd be like, I don't know. Let's go for a walk. So I'd be like, oh, let's go for a walk. Or, like, Finley and I would be hanging out. We'd eat ice cream together. We'd just, like, kick it on the couch together. We'd watch Center together. And over the next few, like, months, I was like, Finley is, like, my best friend. Like, this dog. Like, no joke. Last night, she's, like, got her paws on me, praying for me in bed. I was like, wow. But I kind of had this thing happen where I realized that as my love for this little puppy grew, like, it became the screensaver on my phone. And, like, I'd walk up to people. I'm like, oh, my gosh. They'd be like, Kramer, how's your week going? I was like, you got to see my puppy. Like, let me show you my puppy. Like, all of a sudden, I wanted to tell everybody about this good thing that entered my life. That this awesome thing that entered my life, I'd want to share it with every single person I encountered. I want to take the next few moments this morning and talk about this idea that we are called to be more focused on loving and serving other people than we are ourselves. That at times, we can become so self-focused on our own desires and our own plans that we lose sight of the fact that we were actually created to love and serve other people. I want to take the next few moments and talk about this idea that we are the ones who are called to share Jesus with everyone that we encounter. That we are the ones who are supposed to lead our friends, our community, our neighbors, our enemies, and the people in our family closer to the person of Jesus. That we are the ones that if we really have encountered Jesus, if Jesus has really changed our life, then we are the ones who are supposed to go out and share the goodness that we have been shown with the people that we encounter. This passage in John chapter 1 that we just read gives two different accounts of people experiencing something so good that they go out and they share that experience. I love this story so much because I think sometimes we can overcomplicate how we're supposed to share our faith. Or we can overcomplicate that us following Jesus is actually supposed to impact 
the people that we hang around. In verse 37, in what we just read, it says, The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Now, when I first read this, I was like, dang, like, these are some faithful dudes. Like, they just see Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, like, we're going to follow you. I give my heart to you. Like, I surrender myself, and I give myself to you. I was like, man, I wish I was that quick to follow Jesus. Like, these guys had some real faith. Like, I had some questions. And then I did a little more studying, did a little more reading. And that's actually not the case of what happened. When the scriptures talk about it, it literally means they followed Jesus. Like, physically are following after Jesus. Like, kind of creepedly. Like, as Jesus walks around the town, these dudes are, like, peering around the corners, like, oh, he's going left, bro, come on. Like, oh, he just went right, oh, come on. Oh, he's going in the store, let's go. They were concerned and wanted to know moment by moment where Jesus was going. And then after a little while, Jesus turns around and he's like, what do you, what do you guys want? Like, why are you following me? And kind of in a panic, these guys are like, um, like, oh, oh, where are you staying? And Jesus is like, what? Like, bro, I'm savior of the world. That's all you want to know? And he says, come and you will see. In that moment, Jesus invited these people on a journey with him. He invited them on a journey. He didn't just say a few things and talk a little bit about himself or where he was going. He invited them in that moment on a journey with him. We are the ones who are called to invite people on a journey closer to Jesus. So often we subtly talk, oh yeah, I kind of follow Jesus. Or So often we kind of passively enter a situation. But we forget that it's a journey. And I think that the scriptures speak like this because they wanted the reader to know that that day they physically were following Jesus. As if to say that the community around them would notice that they were following Jesus. That if they looked at these people, they would notice that there was something different, that they were following Jesus. I think scripture begs us to ask the question, Do people notice that you are following Jesus? Can they see it in your lives? I think scripture asks us the question, can anyone see that you are following Jesus? That as a Jesus follower in here, does your life look any different than someone else's life that might not be in relationship with him? Because if not, then what are we doing? We are the ones who are following after Jesus in our own lives that should point to something greater than ourselves. We are the ones who should look like our life is not our own, but that we follow and we are more concerned with the footsteps and the places and spaces that Jesus is going, and we're right there following him. And that as we follow after Jesus in our own lives, we invite people on the journey. Remember in this, in this story, in the scriptures, Jesus says, come and see. He invites them on a journey. So often, we judge someone's spot where they're at right now, their circumstance that they're in right now, and we forget that we are the ones who invite them on a journey. It's a journey, church. It's not a one-stop shop following Jesus. 
But we are the ones who journey with people in every moment, in every hard season, in every hard question, in every failure. We journey with them. You don't just follow Jesus once and you're good. You follow him continually for a lifetime. You continually go back to Jesus and ask for more of his grace and more of his mercy. You continually go back to Jesus and ask for more of his spirit's leading and his presence guiding in your life. And as we do that, as we continually go back to him, in every moment we allow him to lead and we guide and guide our life. The Bible says that when you taste and you see that the Lord is good, you will want more of him. So when people in our lives and in our communities taste and see that the Lord is good, they will want more of him. And as we become more and more like Jesus, our eyes are open to the fact that we are the ones who are called to usher people in to his presence and love them. And once they experience the love and grace and goodness of Jesus, they will want more of him. And that we journey with them through life. We don't just talk to them about Jesus and then leave them there. We don't just invite them to church and then just leave them there. We journey with them through life. We are the ones. It starts with us. I love the way this story in the Bible continues after Jesus invites them to come and see. It goes on and it says, the first thing that Andrew in this story did after he encountered Jesus was to go and tell his brother and his friend Peter about Jesus, as if to say that what he had just encountered was so real and so true and so wonderful that he had to share it with his friends. He couldn't hold it in. He had to go and tell someone else about it. And I love it because the Bible does this awesome thing where when it wants to get a point across, it normally repeats itself. So the Bible goes on, and in the next few verses, it talks about these two dudes named Philip and Nathaniel. And the Bible says in verse 43, the next day, Jesus found Philip and said to him, follow me. And then again, the very first thing that Philip does is goes and finds his friend Nathaniel and says, we found Jesus. We found the one who was promised to come. We found the Savior. I found the one who's told me about a life that I could have never dreamed of. Come and see. And I love Nathaniel's response. Because I feel like it would be a lot like how I would respond. Homeboy Nathaniel's like, what? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Like, that's, that's too good to be true, Philip. There's no way. And I think that maybe on the inside, Nathaniel was really thinking, Man, if it is Jesus, I'm not good enough to even go see him. If he really is who he says he is, I got to clean myself up before I go see him. I'm too broken. I'm too far gone. And I love how Philip responds. He doesn't overcomplicate it. He just says, come and see. Come and let Jesus show you for himself who he really is. Because Philip realized something. He realized that his encounter with Jesus was so real and so true and so wonderful that he could not hold it in. He had to go and tell other people about it. 
what he had just encountered and experienced, he wanted to share with the people that he loved. My hope is that this would encourage someone in here today, that we would wake up to the fact that we are the ones who are called to love and serve other people. It's all about the people that we are called to reach. It's all about the people and friends and community that we are called to love and serve. That just like in this story in the Bible, that if we really have a relationship with Jesus, if we have really experienced the Savior, if we have experienced his love and his grace and we are following after him, then our life should be less and less about ourselves and more and more about other people. That if we empty ourselves of our own selfishness and our own desires and our own pride, then we can fill other people up with love and encouragement. We were never created to live a life about us. We were created with the plans and purposes that through our life, people might catch a glimpse of who Jesus is. Our life is not about us. It's about the people that we are called to reach. You ever think to yourself, man, why isn't anybody loving on this person? Why isn't anyone doing something about that situation? Why isn't anybody doing something about this situation? Why is no one changing that circumstance? Why is no one forgiving someone when they're seeking forgiveness and they know they've done something wrong? Why is nobody telling my coworkers about Jesus? Why is nobody involving my extended family in my church or inviting them to be closer to Jesus? Why is nobody showing up when people are confused and hurt and lost? Because we are the ones. We are in a unique and difficult time in the world right now. Humanity is filled with so much confusion, so much anger, so much malice towards one another. It seems hatred in the streets speak louder than the love that is supposed to be in our churches. Malice in our own hearts outweigh the compassion of the cross. It seems we're in a place in society right now where we forget that we're all people. Do me a favor, look around you right now, church. Whoever you're sitting next to, whoever you see in here, we may not all look the same. We may not all talk the same. We may have not showed up from the same areas of life to even get here this morning. But we are all people. And I'd like to add that we are all people made in the image and likeness of God. We were never called to be the same. We were never called or created to be the same. But we we were called to be unified under the name of Jesus Christ. And we are the ones who speak that unity into motion. Our lives should be open and available to be used by God to create unity in the places and spaces and communities that we occupy. 
It seems right now that as Jesus followers, we are letting other voices, other communities, other pockets of people be the loudest. Whether it's the loudest with their hate, whether it's the loudest with their anger, whether it's the loudest with their desire for separation. But we are the ones who should be the loudest. And we should be the loudest with our love. In the Bible, in the book of John, it says that we will be known by our love. And then later on in the Bible, in the book of Acts, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. We are the ones... Even though we are just common people, everyone should recognize that we have been with Jesus. And because we have been with Jesus, our love should be loud. It should echo throughout the community. We should be the ones carrying the next generation. We should be the ones leading and serving and loving our neighbors and showing the way. We are the ones who stand in the gap for humanity right now in the midst of so much chaos and so much confusion and so much hurt. We should not be allowing the enemy, the devil, to stand in the way when we know the one who is standing at the right hand of the Father. If we were to tear back the spiritual atmosphere in this room right now, there is a war going on for our lives. The enemy knows that what is inside of you is so earth-shattering and so history-making and can be used for so much good in the kingdom of God that he will do everything he can to slip a little bit of poison in your potential, hoping that you will never fulfill your purpose. And your purpose is to love and serve other people so they may catch a glimpse of more of who Jesus is. We are the ones, church. And right now, More than ever, we are the ones who are supposed to go out and love and serve people who are different than us and bring unity to the communities that are around us. We are the ones who are called to be an example of unity. We may not all look the same. We might not all talk the same. We were never called to be the same. But we are all sons and daughters of the Most High God. And because of that, we should be able to look past our differences. We should be able to look past our difficulties and our disagreements because we belong to Jesus. And because of that, we carry around a spirit of unity. I've heard it said that the enemy is not scared of a big church. He's scared of a unified church. We are the ones who are supposed to be unified. If it's not us, then who? If not us, church, then who? The Bible says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we are the ones who are supposed to point people towards Jesus. Point them to the way. Point them to the truth. And point them to the life. Because in the life of Jesus is unity and togetherness. 
Let's be a church that is loudest with our love. Let's be a church that is not satisfied with anything less than all God's powerful grace wants to do in us and through us. Let's not be satisfied or passive until every person in our community hears the love in the name of Jesus. My hope is that our community would stop at nothing to invite people into relationship with the living God. That if in here this morning, if Jesus is actually your Savior, if you are actually following after Jesus, if his glory is really more important than our glory, if his life is really more valuable than our life, if his plans and his purposes, we desire more than our own plans and our purposes, then our life should look like it. We should reflect the Jesus that we follow. And when we do that in the midst of all this chaos, we are the ones who bring love where there is hate, who bring truth where there is confusion, who bring peace where there is chaos. And we are the ones who carry around a spirit of unity when there is separation and division. A unity that would show that this gospel, the gospel of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is so good and so true and so real that we would give our whole lives just so one person could experience the goodness and grace and love that we have received because of Jesus. I love the way this story ends in the Bible. In verse 49 and 50, it says, Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, teacher, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, you believe? You will see greater things than these. Church, we are the ones who point people to greater things than themselves. We are the ones who point to a greater life than we could have ever imagined. We are the ones who follow after Jesus with everything that is within us so that someone might catch a glimpse of the fullness and likeness of God. It's you, church. You are called to love and serve the people around you so that they might experience the same grace and love that we have experienced. We are the ones. Let us be loudest with our love because we are the ones. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you for your son Jesus. We thank you for your love and your grace that you have bestowed upon us. We thank you that there is not a spirit of timidity in you, Jesus, but there is a spirit of boldness in you. Would you give us that same spirit of boldness? Would you help us to go out and love and serve people like you would? Would you give us enough courage to stand up and say, we are the ones and be loudest with our love? This morning, if you're here 
right now and you're saying, man, you know what? I want more of this Jesus. I want more of the goodness that Jesus is. I would never do anything to embarrass you. But the Bible says that an outward expression is an inward sign of what's happening on the inside of you. So if you're here this morning, you're saying, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be in that relationship with Jesus. On the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand up and put it right back down. The Bible says that those who call out to Jesus, he will call out to you and come into your heart and give you new life. So one, Jesus loves you and you'll never be the same. Two, no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run, Jesus is here and with you. Three, he loves you. You can just go ahead and throw your hand up and put it right back down. Just calling out to Jesus saying, that's me. Lord Jesus, we love you. We praise you. We thank you that you have a desire to come into our lives and make us new and make us whole. Would you give us enough boldness and enough courage to say that we are the ones and would you help us to be loudest with our love and seek more and more of you? Father God, we love you. We praise you. Would we leave here different this morning than the way that we walked in? We pray all of this in the name and in the power of Jesus. Amen. Amen.